This is Women in STEM Career and Confidence, the podcast for scientific and professional women who want to restore confidence, make meaningful impact, and balance the things and people that mean most to them. I'm Dr. Hannah Roberts, and I'll be sharing with you insights and inspiration into the mindset and skill set to help you navigate your career and lead powerfully. Today, I interviewed Dr. Nomi Hamilton. Nomi was feeling lost, alone, and demoralized working as a part-time research fellow. She wanted to be in a position where she could actually see a pathway in front of her, not just a massive brick wall. During this episode, we look at Nomi's coaching experience through the three areas of finding balance, confidence, and fulfillment. I can't wait for you to hear Nomi's story, so let's dig in. Welcome to Women in STEM Career and Confidence. Welcome, Nomi. I'm so grateful for you being here today. I was wondering if you could kick us off by giving a brief introduction to who you are and what you're currently up to. Thank you, Hannah, for inviting me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. So my name is uh, Noemi Hamilton. I am a research fellow at the University of Sheffield and a lecturer at the University of York. I think we'll get into details about this maybe later down the line in the conversation. Um, I have two little boys. Uh, I live in Sheffield currently, and uh, my work is on uh, neuroimmunology, and I use uh, zebrafish as an animal model for um, childhood brain disorders. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that career pathway so far. So how have you actually managed to get to this point in your career? It's been long. It's been a bit torturous and complicated. Uh, I I have quite a, a different trajectory than some of my colleagues that I have around me. Uh, I have been a, a postdoc, so studies after a PhD for 12 years before before getting a permanent post and uh it feels like it's been a very very long 12 years with a lot of compromises and sacrifices along the way yeah well it's probably best to dig into some of the complicatedness if that's a word around your career because the academic career is very linear it does have like this career conveyor belt as I call it where you can step on with your um, degree, master's, PhD, postdoc, um, stepping into fellowship, lecturer, senior lecturer or reader, and then professor. So it's kind of like a designated pathway. But actually, when you step onto that conveyor belt, it's a bit more squiggly than it would have us believe. So I would love to know a little bit more about, um, if you could tell us some of the challenges that you were facing leading up to starting coaching and why you wanted to access coaching at that time on that pathway. Yeah, so I think one of the running theme for all those years has been that I loved, absolutely loved my job. Um, I loved the research I was doing. Uh, I liked the environment. I loved the vibe of being in the lab because all my work is mainly uh, wet labs or bench work. And uh, I always loved this. And and as I progressed, 
um, throughout those 12 years, I had more and more responsibilities looking after students. Uh, and, and this I loved even more. So all of those, all of those uh, aspects of the job always told me, carry on, carry on. One day you will, you will have your own group and you will have a post somewhere. Um, and if this was just the job, I think it would have been okay. Uh, but there is life and there is the environment and there is everything in between. And I think, I think being a woman in academia is really hard. Um, you, you have a partner that, um, sometimes you need to make compromises to follow or, and then you want to have children. Some of us do. And I wanted children and each time some of those compromises, um, it was, it felt like a, a new walls were being built around my life and around my job and around this love that I had for it. And, um, and yeah, it, 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 it made everything more and more difficult and the world, the academic world carries on. There is no space, um, for this to happen. No one's going to wait for us women uh to yeah give us more time to achieve what we need to achieve to to make it like everyone says uh and i think for me getting into coaching was after covid after having my second child i think physically emotionally i was at a very very low point and uh, being away physically from people during uh, the lockdowns was very difficult for me. I am a very connected person and I love physical interactions and being with people. Um, and I think all of that together, when I came back to work after my second maternity leave, I felt so empty and alone and isolated that no one understood where I was at. And yet again, I had to find my next job my next post my next grant to carry on my salary and um and at that point I knew that I could not do it again um something had to change and I knew it was going to have to be me so uh so I contacted you and uh and off we went and off we went yeah I I'm listening to your story and I'm also thinking about my story as well and how it must also resonate with so many women in STEM that at the very point where you're trying to make quite big decisions about your career whether that's another postdoc move whether it's a fellowship it all kind of coincides with those choices about whether you want to start a family if you're able to start a family all that kind of stuff feeds into this um into the decision making process as well so it comes in a hierarchy of what's, you know, what you value in life, as well as it being about career fulfillment. Like you said, there was so many different pieces to that puzzle. Um, also with that, with your point about returning back to work after maternity leave, I hear so many people talk about how the expectations are, okay, you're back now. So it's as if like you start from day one, as if nothing ever happened, as if you've not had the last 12 months off. There's no sort of lead back in, no integration back in that you would have if a member of staff was starting new. 
because essentially you're kind of like a new person. Things have moved on in that 12 months and you may not have had the capacity to keep up with everything in the literature, everything that's been going on and be at full capacity when you first start back. So just like echoing your um, experiences, I guess, within academia, knowing that many other people are experiencing those challenges as well. So when you started coaching, obviously we did, um, for those listening, we did 12 one-to-one sessions and then we continued with um, a couple more one-to-one sessions after that. So during that time, what is it that you were hoping to achieve through the coaching? Like tangibly get out at the end of that coaching. I wanted to be in a position where where I could see see a, a path in front of me, not just a wall. Uh and and yeah, and it makes me sad to say this now because obviously now things have changed and and it and it's it, it's got a lot better, but I remember feeling so lost and so um yeah, so alone and demoralized that I I really wanted to to have that energy coming from me to be able to say this is what I want and this is what is going to be right for me not just having mentors and people around me saying well you know this is quite competitive but if you don't get that then you won't be able to get that and this and this and this and everyone was giving their opinions and with their own experience which is usually what people do and I understand that but I felt like I was in a such a unique situation that not many people could understand it um even from their years and years of experience in the academic world so I felt like it it it, it was resting on me to to find that path and to build that energy again to be able to go for it and that's right because we don't get many people working part-time in academia it's kind of almost unheard of at that particular stage in your career so I I fully resonate with the feeling of being different in that department and maybe people not appreciating um everything that you're having to deliver in the time that you have available to um so when we got started on the coaching you couldn't see a clear path in front of you so what happened for you during coaching so many good things um so we talked about the 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 what we did together so the one to one but there was also the group um with the with the app and uh, and and the course that went alongside it um and and i think from from this came the the, the tips and the uh, and the tools so energy management and the the weekly the weekly planner um these are tools that I now use every day uh and they they've just given me that time back to to be able to act on on my career and on myself and um and really implement all the things that you showed me in our one-to-one coaching I absolutely love all the different power types and and the different selves that we all have and how depending 
what you're going through or what trigger are out there. Some some of yourselves can just show up a little bit more than others um, going through the imposter syndrome. And this was a revolution. And uh, and um, and yeah, so I really I really love that and reawakening some of those old selves that throughout this long and winded process career had been a bit buried away um so this was yeah this was a revolution I love I love that you call it a revolution that's how I kind of think about uh what we're doing with coaching as well because I imagine that all of you are going out there in the world uh doing things differently to what's normally been done and I see it like as the quiet revolution taking over um the the coaching kind of falls under three main banner areas or three main themes. So balance, confidence, and fulfillment. So when you were talking about the weekly planning, that falls within the kind of finding a great work-life balance. So in terms of that, you've talked about, okay, now I'm doing my weekly planning, I'm doing my daily task list. So what's changed for you in terms of your balance and finding more energy because you said that's one thing that you wanted as you're coming into the coaching sessions yeah so maybe I should say more about this because I think a lot of people in many jobs have a task list every day and they go through it and 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 I was doing this before so that wasn't really the new thing the new thing is the reward and the process of actually going through that that list which before um, I was kind of a, a very careful and a very negative creature um, and lists were taking very seriously. And um, which means that every single item on that list was something that just needed to be done. And, and the, joy was, the joy was just escaping from the whole task. Um, I think from the way we've doing it, we've been doing it together. Um, there are still items on that list that are annoying and that needs to be done, but they're the first one that I do now and they're out of the way. And at the end of the first day of the week, I this love is done that. And, and it comes, <laughs> it comes with rewards. And, uh, and usually my Monday morning, I'm a bit grumpy and because I'm doing all those things that I don't want to do, but by 12 o'clock on Monday, they're done and they're gone. And I have the rest of the week to just do the rest of my items on my list. And usually there are things that I absolutely love. They are part of my job and 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 I love them and and the week is just positive. Or or at least I've got I've got that little leeway where things could just jump into the agenda and and I have time to deal with it. Hmm. So they, I mean, there's this old saying, isn't there, that if you have to eat a frog, eat the ugly, biggest and ugliest first. And I guess that's what you're talking about with the Monday morning kind of task list, that they're all things that need to be progressed, need to move forward. And the thing that's going to make the biggest difference for that week, get it done first on the Monday. So anything else that comes after that is like a bonus to the week. Yeah. Um, many times we save the thing that's actually of the most importance 
we put it to the bottom because often it's the hardest thing to maybe get started or to to work on. Um, so I love that you are prioritizing your big frogs um, on a Monday morning. <laughs> I bet they taste delightful. Mm. <laughs> we also do planning in multiple different areas of your life as well, as opposed to just creating a task list for um, for work. There's also elements of working on your career, your development, um, health, relationships, wealth planning. So have you noticed that you're approaching those areas of your life differently with, let's say, the same kind of weight and priority as work? Yes. So the work was more, you know, one aspect of my life and obviously it impacts my students and my environment. And But this is just one out of five um, columns, axis, path that we're looking at. And, and all the others, I never even thought about including not even one little task or item on the personal development column or the health column or um, the relationship column. And this, this was, um, this is what makes me happy. And I feel like I, um, yeah, my body belongs for in the health column. Now I look after myself a lot more. Um, and, and also I have a, the, the network, the wider network of friends and families and, um yeah you you end up feeling more connected uh and and i think when you are when you're a bit lost at work things pile up and then you just become disconnected from from your own your own body your your friends your family um yeah you just turn into a robot and uh i've been a robot for many many years yeah i mean my version of robot was superwoman um, but we can all do a version of the robot. And if you think about when you get most um, stressed at work or overwhelmed, what's the first thing that goes? It's usually health, like doing exercise or relationships. Like, oh, I can't, I can't even speak to you because I've got to work tonight. Like, you just don't get it. You don't understand. <laughs> um, so, yeah, resonating with that a lot. And then the second um, area that we looked at was confidence. And we did a number of different things around confidence. One was learning about the five women's power types. So being able to access a different type of authentic feminine leadership, because we see obviously a lot of examples of um, male leadership. And we see examples of feminine leadership, but often it's coming from this archetype of superwoman where we've had to fight and be competitive in order to get to those positions, but it's not sustainable long-term because it's a very adrenalized state. So it's how do I step into my leadership basically without having massive impact, but without burning out. And those five women's power types allow us to be able to access resources within us that can do that without adrenalizing the system. So can you give me an example Putting you on the spot here, Nomi. Can you give me an example of one power type that you've used in a situation? And what was the situation? And how was that power type helpful for you? 
So I think that was right at the start when I needed to see that path and I was kind of a building it and see, testing it out. And I think the first thing that I needed to do um, right here in my current uh, position was to ask for what I need. And that was, that is something that might sound very easy for some people. Uh, maybe men find it easier than women. Um, but to me, it was something that I hadn't really done before I realized uh, I was the one who just went with the flow and adapted and said yes to everybody and uh, felt like I had a depth uh, in terms of uh, people supporting me and helping me. And But I never really asked for what I needed. Um, and I think for this, I had to learn to use my queen uh, power type effectively. And I've had your templates. Uh, we've rehearsed together. We've obviously, I've had a lot of help to be able to step into that queen power type. And so, yeah, so my department had some rejuggling, new people uh, came into power and um, and I felt like I had to, I had to step up and introduce myself and put it out there what I needed, what what was happening and what I needed to go to go forward. And I think that initial conversation um went very well. And obviously I didn't get what I needed, <laughs> but but at least I said it. I put it out there. And um and 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 I think from that from then onwards I went from strength to strength thinking thinking that these conversations are um that they're crucial they're essential and I should have them every week with many many people and then the the, the way the template works the way the the process is is that it, it's not a confrontation it's it's just asking for what you need it's um, just that simple isn't it no why didn't we do that before? Um, I think often people can fall into the trap of if I just work really hard or I produce the most amount of work of the highest standard that somehow it's going to be recognized and will get rewarded for those efforts. If I can just be the most dedicated, if I can just get great results. But often that doesn't actually materialize into the results that we're looking for, the promotion, the fellowship, whatever it is, the pay rise. We actually have to explicitly state what it is that we want to be able to enlist the support of other people around us. And I think that's one thing that is critical for everybody when they're going through this process of finding fulfillment in their work is to really be open and really be able to ask for what you need. And no, you're not the first. <laughs> When you said, I'm probably the only one, no, every single one of my clients um, would probably report the same that they use that conversation template a lot. And it's one that I still use today for myself when I'm structuring conversations too, because like you said, non-confrontational and set up to make everybody feel like they have won that conversation. Um, so yeah, I really like that example. And uh, yes, it would be our queen power type that we're using to articulate the way in which we say it. Because it's not just the words you say, but it's also the conviction that comes behind the words. If I try to say and ask for what I need from martyr mode, oh, 
could you possibly maybe you can hear in my voice that you know there's a crack of doubt and therefore that will be exploited whereas when you come from the queen there's no doubt that there's no room for maneuver really great example um but we also, when we looked at confidence, it wasn't just around speaking up. We also did some really great work around ourselves. And these are um, different parts of our personalities, like our pushers, pleasers, perfectionists, protect controllers. So when we did the work on selves, what did you discover about yourselves, Nomi? <laughs> um, yeah, this was a... Yeah, that was fun. That was fun and surprising. Um, and I think, and I think I'll I'll go back to that very um uh, that very careful and negative creature, um, constantly moving, uh, constantly hitting walls. Um, so a good mixture of a. Uh, of of a pusher, a very very highly developed pusher, who just kept stacking up tasks and ideas and everything and responsibilities and um and must dos and um. So the confidence to be able to face those selves and go through the process of acknowledging them and and realize that they are coming up, and I think that gives that would give anyone a lot of confidence because we all go through those moments where we feel a bit of tension maybe that ball in the stomach or that constricting throat or that headache or something that just our body telling us that it's just not quite right and we are we are not being ourselves right now um and i think going through that work really helped me to identify all those all those people inside me, all those bits of me, uh, versions of me that do come up in some stressful situations or all last year, every day, stressful or not, um, I wasn't I wasn't being myself in a balanced state um, any day of the week. Yeah, and I suppose those um, different selves, the discrete parts of ourselves often come up um, and I call it like armor to protect ourselves from something, whether that's building a wall of task lists to avoid feeling like we might fail in some way, whether it's saying yes to something because um, we want to be liked and we don't want to end up rejected by those people. It's all in avoidance of some feelings that we really don't want to feel. So as soon as we can get some awareness around ourselves, some separation from themselves, we can work on what those underlying vulnerabilities really are. And that's getting to the core of it because a lot of imposter syndrome, it's not really about the signs and the symptoms, the inability to speak up or um, however it manifests for you, the anxiety around giving a presentation is actually our inability to handle our own emotions that sits underneath all of that and the protection strategies we put in place to be able to, uh, I guess, get through the day but in doing that that's armor and it doesn't allow us to be our true and authentic selves so I love that you've started to dismantle that armor and yes of course it's uh it's always a journey it's always a work in progress 
but having the awareness is the first step to any kind of behavioral change. So the final piece that I want to ask you about is fulfillment. So when we first started to work together, um, you were doing a part-time research fellowship. And the next step was to get a fully funded, all singing, all dancing fellowship for you to be able to continue your academic career. And tell us how that went for you. So, so I was on a, I was on an external grant that uh, paid fifty percent of my salary, and uh, and 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 somehow this was all I could get fifty percent of it, and um, and I think that was one of the first questions that I needed to ask, is um, I do not work fifty percent. I work a lot more than fifty percent. So. I need more money. Um, I need my time to be paid. Um, and obviously those conversations went one way and another. And and in the end, it was obvious that no one will give me the rest of the 50% that I deserved. And uh, But in the meantime, um, I decided to go for promotion. That was another way to, to get more money. Um, and then while doing this, you end up being in more conversation, more discussion. And I think it was very obvious that I needed to move on. Um, so I started to apply for jobs. And I think that puts you in a different in a different environment, in a different light. And suddenly you realize how um, a fresh environment and a fresh outlook can can do to your to your confidence. Um so, so I had very positive contacts with other other institutions, and in the end, uh, in the end, I I got an offer from the University of York, and this is where I'm moving now. And and there was no there was no hesitation in giving me the 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 rest of my fifty percent. Uh, it's um, yeah it's a it's a yeah it's a new place and it's a fresh start and and I feel like all those questions and also all those conversations that I've had with so many supportive and helpful people uh who really wanted me to be in the best possible place um have led to to me moving away and and having that permanent post um yes I don't know if I answered the question <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think I remember in one of our sessions, you talked about it like before you couldn't see a clear path, but it was a little bit like an aeroplane. And now the landing strip was lit up and you were ready to land. And if it turned out to be the wrong airport, you would just take off and go and find another one. But um, everything felt a lot clearer and more, uh, I guess, I want to say the word navigational, but, you know, um, the ability to be able to navigate your own next steps. Yeah, and I had the fuel to stay up in the air for so long <laughs> as well, and and that's and that's something that yeah, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of time to apply for jobs, to look out there, uh, and 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 it is even if you don't mean it, even if it's not what you really want, uh, I think it's just healthy and it's good. It, there is nothing nothing bad that can come out of it. Um, so yeah, so it was it was great. And I think now with those opportunities, that energy that I've got back, 
I feel like I'm uh, I'm that little yeah that little positive ball of energy and I can have access to this on a daily basis um and yeah it feels good to to be back to what I remember myself being uh many many years ago yeah only without the armor (laughs) (laughs) I know one thing if you don't mind me asking you about this and feel free to say say no one thing that you did when you went for the interview at York University was to actually interview the people you would be working with yourself and you started to ask them questions about things that were important to you around your career values and what vision they had and how they worked with the culture and the organization. Would it be okay to say a little bit more about what you did there to discover if that was the place for you? Yeah, and I think that emerged from the work that we did together, which is looking at or rediscovering your own values and and kind of trying to match it with what what is happening in your current environment. Are they there? Are they not there? Um, what's missing? And and how can you find out um, whether they whether they they are in that new place? Um, so yeah, I think it's again asking for asking for questions. And I think academics love talking about themselves and what they do and what they love doing and and how they do it. And and I think that's something that can be tapped into if you need to know more. Um, so you, probably a lot of you will know when you go for an academic post, you will um, visit and meet a lot of people um, uh, before the offer or even after the offer has been made. And and that is that is the chance to uh, tap into that knowledge and trying to find out how the institution is, um, yeah, running the show. And and for me, the equality um the place of women in academia and um and how people were juggling their teaching and research loads and how all of this was there were important questions for me and um so i asked i asked the people what what's uh what's easy for them and what's hard for them and and when it gets tough what what um what do you drop <laughs> um and i think and i think some people were a little bit taken aback and they were surprised but i i think they liked uh, they like to share what what are their um their experience and and i got some great values um out of them and 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 it, i think it, it reflected the values of the of the university, the institution, and and it reflected the offer that they gave me. So it was all aligned, I thought. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important to be able to ask questions around what it is that you need in order to feel happy and fulfilled in your work and to check, am I going to get more or less of that in this new position, in this new organization as well? And one thing is for organizations, they may have a set of values on their, you know, uh, website, but do they actually live up to those values in the moment? So I think it's really great that you uh, took some bold steps to ask those questions and discover more about that without just waiting to find out when you're in the position of having moved house 
uh, moved walls, moved children, all the things. Um, so always good to do those checks first. Now, before I ask you the final question, I just um, want to make sure that I've accurately reflected uh, your coaching journey. Is there anything else that we've missed that you think that we should add to this? Um, I think we talked about work a lot, but everything that we've done with the challenges that were happening to me at work, I think reflected at home in my personal life. And, um, and I think that's not trivial. I think that's quite, that's quite important to, um, to highlight that anything anything that you would learn all the tools and the skills and the tips that we've applied every week um at work uh, a lot of them were very useful for home um and when you are running everywhere all the time and being stressed and burned out and and yeah you're cranky with the kids you're cranky with everybody and you're not you're not at your best um and if yeah and I want to be at my best for my children and for my family first and I think if it's um yeah it was very helpful for this to get get that energy back and those priorities um because this work has a tendency to suck you in and then you need to keep up and you can never keep up with the the academic world is just it's I think it's just impossible to be on top of it all all the time um so yeah the family suffers the balance is not there and I think that's really true because how we do something in one area of our life is often how we show up in other areas of our lives too so if you're struggling to speak up at work sometimes we might also be struggling to really communicate effectively at home as well and vice versa so um it does impact and infiltrate all areas of your life as well so thank you for making that point so my final question for you is if you could go back to any moment in the history of your life and you could land in at that moment and whisper a piece of advice in your ear which moment would you go back to and what piece of advice would you give yourself Okay, um, I'm going to be honest. I think things started to be very complicated when I became a mum. Everything just went totally off piste. <laughs> and, uh, and I think I waited too long to, to do, to care about me um, and to do something for me. Um, so yeah, I would say yeah I'd say be brave maybe be, yeah be brave to to fight for your own corners um so yeah I should have been braver at some points and and um and don't just look at people around me but just look inwards and look inside and and uh appreciate how different I became um and yeah, and again, it's a bit sad to associate uh, a change in yourself with becoming a mother because it's it's just so much joy and and they're all so perfect and 
and this um but again again it's just the pressure of the work and all the pressure that you put on yourself and and it just it changes you and this and uh yeah so take action sooner be brave <laughs> yeah and i think you're hitting on the point there it's an identity shift and we can get quite attached to our identities whether it's an academic identity whether it's an identity as a mother as a scientist, as um, a wife, as a daughter, whatever that identity is. And actually, we should be looking to, I think, upgrade our identity all the time, as opposed to being attached to our identity. Keep upgrading and changing your identity, and the behaviors and things will shift with it. Rather than, I need to change this behavior, but I'm attached to this identity. I think it's a really great point and we should look to change our identity and upgrade it all the time. And I think if we had more role models in academia, I think we wouldn't have to build up that identity from scratch. If we had more women in academia that had children and that went through this and that could just be out there ready to pick us up when, <laughs> when it happens to us and and just show us uh, we're all different, sure, but it wouldn't hurt to have more. It wouldn't hurt to have more. And guess what? They've managed to retain one more because you are staying a little bit longer in academia. So congratulations. And remember that I know you're looking ahead for role models, but also I am very grateful that you are there taking this work into the world doing things differently, thinking differently, and other people are coming up and watching you. So it's great that um, you're there as a shining example as well. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. And we're wishing you the best of luck at York University over the next few years as well. Thank you, Nomi. Thank you, Hannah. Speak soon. Speak soon. Thank you for listening to Women in STEM Career and Confidence. To get further support in your journey, Join me in Breakthrough Unleashed on Facebook.